Hey everyone, good morning and good afternoon. Uh, Happy New Year. Um, it's uh, January 6th, so six days into the new year, 2022. And we're trying out a couple of new things uh, this year, in particular, this new channel of, of going live on LinkedIn. Um, so thank you for joining us. We tried this late last year and seemed to go over pretty well. So I think we're going to keep trying this for a couple of weeks and see um, how the network likes it, uh, what value we can bring to to some of you folks here on LinkedIn. Again, my name is Manny Bernabe, and I focus on AI transformation for mid-sized companies, in particular industrials and manufacturers. Um, we help companies think about how to leverage data, how to position themselves for an age of AI, how to use machine learning and, uh, to infuse their products and to make their operations better. So that's me. And uh, today I want, a I want to talk about a recent interview that Elon Musk had with Lex Friedman. Um, it's a pretty lengthy interview, so we're not going to go through it all, um, but I do want um, to touch on some of the highlights that um, that I saw. And um, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the interesting points here. Um, uh, again, two and a half, two and, a, and an out, two and a half hour interview here. Um, so I, I'll suggest you check it out. I'll add the link somewhere in the description. But in particular, what I'm interested in is in Tesla's self-driving vehicle. Uh, so let's uh, let's listen to a little bit of this uh, um, interview, and then I'm going to come in with a little bit more commentary on where I see this as being uh, particularly interesting from someone that that practices AI and, and machine learning. So let's let's listen to this, and you should be able to hear the sound. But let me know if you don't ask sort of uh, looking back the six years, looking out into the future, based on your current understanding, how hard do you think this this full self? Let me make sure you can hear the sound. Actually, I don't think you can hear the sound. So let me reset this. One second, share screen, share system audio. Okay. That we should get the sound now. Let me know if you don't hear the sound. So let's driving try. problem. Well, let me ask sort of uh, looking back the six years, looking out into the future, based on your current understanding, how hard do you think this this full self-driving problem? When do you think Tesla will solve level four FSD? I mean, it's looking quite likely that it will be next year. And what does the solution look like? Is it the current pool of FSD beta candidates they start getting greater and greater as they have been degrees of autonomy and then there's a certain level beyond which they can they, they can do their own they can read a book yeah so uh i mean you can see anybody who's been following the full self-driving beta closely um so let me just pause there um to solve uh self-driving next year uh or this was recorded in in December. So uh, I'm assuming that they're going to roll out full self-driving capabilities in 2022. That's happening this year. And so I, I'll just say that to me, that is going to mark a major milestone in AI and uh, machine learning. Um, 
AI is one of those technologies that just changes the fundamental landscape. There's a term that economists use for this type of technology is called general purpose technologies. Examples of this are um, the, the internet, the PC, the personal computer, the electricity, the steam engine. These are once in a generation technologies that come along and just rewrite everything and upend the entire landscape and really just change quite a bit. And it, as I look in terms of AI and, and where it's going, and, and if I were writing the history books in 100 years and 150 years, the, 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 the um, full, having full self-driving vehicles out in the world, in the world amongst actual drivers, I think that's going to be ranking very, very high in terms of milestones that we're going to look back on and we're going to say, wow, that, that marks an important point in AI and machine learning technology. So I, I want to provide that historical context. Um, and and if, if we think that AI is going to change um, um, our world in, in the way that we think it's going to change, um, in, in the way that I think it's going to change our world, then you know this this is going to be a, a major milestone uh, on that evolution. So this is going to be a big deal. I'm going to be watching for for this in in, in 2022. So we're going to be um, you know watching this. Uh, so it's it's you know it's just going to be a big deal. Um, I also you know in part you know what makes this hard is you know if you if you watch my feed, I'll oftentimes be talking about launching AI in machine learning products in the world of, of, of bits versus the world of atoms. And so if you look at the internet age and what we've been able to do from an AI perspective in, in companies like Google, like Facebook, um, like Uber, that's all happening in the digital space of ones and zeros. Google, you know, it's a website, you go there and yes, they're crawling through a lot of data and sites on the web, but that's all digitized. It starts. It starts with digitization, and and then you kind of go into machine learning from there. So that's one level of difficulty, and I think that's very very hard, and it's difficult to do um, um, for sure. Um, but the next level beyond that, in terms of difficultiness, is trying to do AI in the world of atoms in the physical world. It's when you when you have to. When you don't start with digitization, when your data is is being extracted from from real world activities, and you're dealing with 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 um, humans and other people, and and you have this sort of somewhat chaotic, uncertain environment, it, it just it's just a whole different ball game um, when it comes to AI and machine learning. So. Well, I think the thing, the work, the the work that's happening on the Google front, the Facebook front, is very interesting. I think um, the AI that's happening in companies like Tesla that is that is going to mark a new different type of 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 of, um, of capabilities for AI in machine learning. And in my view, it's an order of magnitudes much much harder because you're dealing with the physical world. Um, you're dealing with people out that are gonna do unpredictable things. Um, you're gonna be dealing with regulators. When you put AI out in the real world, you know, you're gonna get a lot of pushback from local politicians, from 
from from safety groups in terms of what's happening. So the level of scrutiny that you're going to get is just going to be like pretty tough. And so that's why I think once once we're able to see FSD full self-driving capabilities out there with Tesla in this next year, I think it's probably going to get pushed back to 2023. I just I think it's still such a hard problem. Um, I think it's just going to be such a big deal and it's going to be interesting to watch uh, in terms of how that gets rolled out. And also, what is the decision to roll that out? Um, and here we're going to talk a little bit, or Elon's going to talk a little bit more about how he's measuring where we are with FSD when it's sort of green light to, to let it out in the wild. So let's listen a little bit more here. Well, let's see that the, um, the rate of disengagements has been dropping rapidly. So like a disengagement would be where, where the driver intervenes to prevent the car from doing something. Right. Uh, so remember right now, FSD, there's a beta program out there that is allowing individuals to put in a location on a map. Like you, know, you go on Google Maps, you put it in there, and then the car just automatically just drives itself there. But because it's beta, um, they have individuals uh, with their hands on the steering wheel in, in case they need to intervene. And so um, it seems like they're tracking these interventions. So how often does a driver have to come in and stop the, 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 the autopilot or the FSD from, from continuing the route? And that is a KPI. That's a key metric. And so you would assume that early on in your um, in, in the software, you're going to have a high level of interventions by the drivers over time as you update the software, as you get more information, then that's that should be going down. And that is going to be a really good indicator of how good your FSD capabilities are, are, are getting over time. And again, you expect that to be dropping off pretty, pretty rapidly as you get more data, as you're as your architecture gets a little bit better. Let's listen to some more. Dangerous potentially. So, um, um, so the, the interventions, you know, per million miles has been dropping uh, dramatically at some point. The And, and that trend looks like it, it happens next year is that the, the, the probability of an accident on FSD uh, is uh, less than that of the average human, and then and then significantly less than that of the average human. Um, so that explaining that to regulators and to people are gonna it's gonna be very tricky um, because you all like you you have like proving a, a, a something that, that's proving that something didn't happen. It's it's hard to do, um, and it's gonna be hard for to, for people to trust it. So. Um, I'm going, I'm going to be interested in, in seeing how Tesla goes about doing this with regulators, with, with local politicians, local interest groups, um, how you make that case, because I think that's going to be a little bit tricky and, um, something that, that is going to involve more, uh, human psychology persuasion than it is statistics, because it, you know, in my mind, it's only a matter of time before, autonomous driving gets much safer than humans like if you if you look at what humans are doing out on the road distraction fatigue i mean you know you know it's it, it just it's it's only a matter of time before that happens and 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 how you make that case is going to be interesting and if you have 
like say like you know you have like a thousand trips that are all going well one of them turns out to not go so well and 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 you know that gets you bad press like how do people jump on that how reactionary are people going to be that is going to be interesting to see as well so there's a technology part but then there's also the human aspect part and this is again why deploying ai in the physical world is really really challenging because you're not dealing with just ones and zeros anymore now you're dealing with human psychology which is is a little bit harder for your your typical uh your typical engineer types it certainly appears like we will get there next year um then, then of course that, that, that then there's going to be a case of okay we'll now have to prove this to regulators and prove it to you know and and we we, we want a standard that is not just equivalent to a human but uh, much better than the average human I think it's going to be at least two or three times uh, higher safety than a human so when it comes to technology when it comes to AI I think you need to be aiming for 10x improvement on whatever it is that you're doing 5x to 10x improvement because you have you have to take into consideration the fact that it's going to be expensive to deploy the new technology that you're going to get skepticism that you're um, you're going to get some it's, it's going to be harder to to um, 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 it's, it's going to be some time before you fully prove out the full advantages of a new technology um, so for that you know when you're your value uh, modeling your AI and machine learning service you want to be thinking about big magnitude changes like it just can't be 20% better it just can't be 20 40% better it's got to be 3x 5x 10x better um if you're going to, you know if you're in for the long haul so that's a that's a good point but two or three times lower probability of injury than a human uh, before before we would actually say like okay it's okay to go it's, it's not going to be a cool it's going to be much better so if you look uh 10 point uh, fsd 10.6 just came out recently 10.7 is on the way Maybe 11 is uh, on the way somewhere in the future. Yeah, um, we were hoping to get 11 out this year, but it's uh, 11 actually has a whole bunch of uh, fundamental rewrites on the neural neural net architecture, um, and, and some fundamental improvements uh, in creating vector space. Uh, so, um, so there is a some fundamental like leap. That really deserves the eleven. I mean, it's a pretty cool number. Yeah, eleven you know. uh, would be uh, a single stack for all. Yeah, one stack to rule them all. Um, and uh, but but there there are just some really fundamental uh, neural net architecture changes that that are that that will allow for uh, much more capability. But but you know, at first they're going to have issues. So. Like, like we, we have, have this working, working on like sort of alpha software, software and it's, it's good, but it's, uh, it's, it's, it's basically taking a whole bunch of C, C++ code and, and, and deleting a massive amount of C++ code and replacing it with the neural net. And you know, Andre uh, makes this point a lot, which is like neural nets are kind of eating software. You know, over time there's like less and less conventional software, more and more neural net. Uh, which is still software, but it's, you know, still comes out the lines of software. But, uh, is... That's a very interesting point, and I think that is a theme that's come up quite a bit. If you look at someone like Mark Andreessen, um, um, his, you know, he coined the the phrase some time ago that software was eating the world. This was at the beginning of the internet boom. 
uh, to signal how companies like Amazon, like Facebook, like Google were going to be dominating the economy moving forward. And you see, you've seen that play out so at, at Apple as well. These are primarily software companies. And now they're the most valuable companies in the world. A lot of that is being that a lot of that was being driven by software. And um, he coined he uh, this was maybe like four years back. Um, he um, he rephrased that a little bit to say that AI is eating software. And the idea is that software allows you to encode a bunch of rules in a, a program that will run, but you still need a human to put together those rules and put together those heuristics. So a rule might be like, if you see this in the environment and these variables are in, um, let me um, bring this up. If you see X in, in the environment and these variables that are at these levels, then you should do this. And then if that happens and do this, it's a bunch of rules-based kind of stuff. And that's that's helpful, that scales. And it's, it's nice to have that consistency across many different types of environments, uh, particularly for um, repetitive tasks that, that happen quite a bit. And that's where software really thrives and you might have a lot of engineers doing that now what we're finding with ai is that we're using ai and machine learning to not even have to go through that step and we're using ai and machine learning to actually come up with the rules that should be uh, um, used in place of the heuristics that are coming from humans so now like we were in a world where software was eating the world now it's going to be around ai and neural nets eating software to actually come up with the rules that are going in the software it's a very it's a very sort of nuanced and interesting kind of perspective but i think it's um it's an important it's it's an important one and it kind of speaks to why um, engineers need to be uh, thinking about how to streamline their workflow with machine learning and AI and 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 and, um, and those types of technologies. So that's a that's a very interesting point. Let's um, continue listening to this. This is uh, good. And feel free to jump into the chat. What do you guys think? Um, have you seen this interview? Um, is what's resonating for you? Any other areas in this interview that stood out for you? I'm just covering the AI parts, but there's uh, SpaceX, Mars, uh, other things that are coming on here, but feel free to it's jump more, in the chat and let me know what, that what stuff, you've been following. Uh, and less, uh, you know, heuristics, basically. Um, if, if you're if, uh, more, more, more uh, matrix-based stuff and less uh, heuristics-based stuff. Um, and... Um, and again, heuristic is, is just a, a fancy word for a rule. So if this, then do this, uh, if while doing this, you know, just basic rules that you would find in uh, a simple rules-based type of setup. So that's just another word for a rule. You know, like, for, like, like one of the big changes will be, um, <laughs> like right now the neural nets uh, will um, deliver a, a giant bag of points uh, <laughs> to the C++ or C and C++ code. Yeah. Um, we call it the giant bag of points. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, so you go to pixel and, 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 and something associated with that pixel. Like this pixel is probably car. This pixel is probably lane line. Um, then you've got to assemble this giant bag of points 
in the C code and turn it into uh, vectors. Um, and uh, it does a pretty good job of it, but it's it's a uh, it's if we, we want to just we need another layer of neural nets on top of that to take the the giant bag of points and distill that down to a vector space in the, in the neural net part of the software as opposed to the heuristics uh, part of the software. This is a big improvement. Um, neural nets all the way down. That's what you want. It, it's not even all neural nets, but it's it's it's. Uh, uh, this will be, be just a, a game, this, this is, is a game changer to not have the bag of points, <laughs> the giant bag of points that has to be assembled with uh, many lines of C++ uh, and, 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 and have the, and have a neural net just assemble those into vectors. So, so the, the, the neural net is outputting um, much, much less data. It's, it's, it's outputting this, this is a lane line, this is a curve, this is drivable space, this is a car, this is uh, a, you know, a pedestrian or cyclist or something like that. It's outputting, um, it's really out outputting um, proper vectors to the, the C, C++ control, control code as opposed to the sort of constructing the, the vectors uh, in, in C. Um, which we've done, I think, quite a good job of, but it is getting a little wonky. Um, but uh, I guess what I would say is, uh, I many people underappreciate how much work goes into data processing for an AI service. Um, in fact, I would say that you know, if you look at your standard AI uh, product or service, um, 80% of it has nothing to do with the actual data science model or, or um, the, 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 the object that is making prediction. 80% of it tends to be get the data, uh, collect it, process it, clean it, filter it, and then feed it into the model. That takes up a lot of time in your AI service product development. And this is why he spends a lot of time um, talking about this because it is a major pain point. Now, from my understanding for FSD 11, which is supposed to be the one that solves um, self full self-driving um, capabilities, they're going to do a refactoring of the architecture. They're going to be thinking about how to better process this data that's coming from the different sensors and the different cameras on the on the cars. And so there's just going to be a lot of work that has to do. And yes, that's probably going to it's probably going to um, 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 leave us or leave Tesla with better capabilities. But it is that's a lot of work. And um, it's a lot of refactoring. And when you refactor things, bugs come up, new things come up, and um, you have to do retraining on a lot of the new data. And so does that drive with, you know, historically what you've seen. So that's going to be um, interesting uh, to see. Uh, so that is FSD. I think there's just one, ah, Tesla bot. I wanted to talk about Tesla bot. So let's, you know, I encourage you again, check out this uh, interview. Um, Let's talk about Tesla Bot. So Tesla Bot was a, um, I think it was it summer of last year. Uh, Tesla had an AI show where they talked about the the you know their architecture when it comes to autonomous 
uh, driving. And then they also previewed a Tesla bot, which was going to be taking some of their AI core competency and putting it in a robot uh, type of, 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 of object uh, to do different kind of things. And so let's, uh, let's uh, hear what um, Elon has to say about that. Yeah. Uh, so you've presented Tesla bot as primarily useful in the factory. First of all, I think humanoid robots are incredible. From a, a fan of robotics, I think uh, the elegance of movement that human uh, that humanoid robots, that bipedal robots show are just so cool. So it's uh, really interesting that you're working on this and also talking about applying the same kind of all the ideas of some of which we've talked about with data engine, all the things that we're talking about with Tesla Autopilot. Just uh, transferring that over to the just yet another robotic problem. I have to ask, since I care about human-robot interactions, so the human side of that. So you've talked about mostly in the factory. Do you see it uh, also? Do you see part of this problem that Tesla Bot has to solve is interacting with humans and potentially having a place like in the home? So interacting, not just not replacing labor, but also like I don't know, well, being a friend, friend. Or, or an assistant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think the the possibilities are, you know, endless. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's obviously like a, it's not quite in, in Tesla's primary mission direction of accelerating sustainable energy, but uh, it is a an extremely useful thing. Um, let me just pause there and say that um, AI is why I think it's so critical for companies to start working on their their analytics, their machine learning, and AI muscle, because AI is one of those core competencies that grows over time, and it extends across the organization and across different business units. And it's one of those capabilities that you seemingly unlock. And then you're like, wow, like, yes, I was able to apply it in this use case for this particular business unit. But then I'm able to apply it here as well uh, for this other business unit and for this new product. And it's one of those things that just kind of tends to grow over time. And what you'll find is, is um, you can extend this technology to places that you otherwise may not have thought you could extend it to. So in this case, what Tesla is doing is they're using the AI capabilities that they're developing for autonomous driving, uh, the, the Tesla cars, and um, they're extending that to uh, um, robotics and, and, and this Tesla bot. And that that seems totally feasible to me. The same LiDAR system that you have on cars, the same um, um, ability to take photons and, and images and video streams and, and, and put that into an object that has to move in the real world, that has to do that with low latency, um, with low jitter, um, it has to react quickly and has to be mindful of certain things. Like that is totally plausible for me to think that you can do that. If you can do that for an autonomous vehicle, you can probably do that for a a um, for a robot. There's going to be some retraining that has to happen. There has to be some sort of rebuild, but that's a pretty straightforward expansion in my mind. And um, I would say um, that's kind of the you know that's part of the reason why you want to be investing in this technology. You want to get that skill set up. You want to start developing that IP for you to be able to do that in-house and extend it to other parts of your um, business. All right. So I think we've gone over our, uh, um, our, um, 
a lot of time for today. Um, let me know uh, if you have any questions. Let me know if you have any comments. I'll check it in on a, a live stream and see if anybody has any comments that they want to chime in. So, but what I, I'd be curious to know what you guys think about this. Um, if you find this interesting, if you have um, anything that you want to call out, um, if you've e even caught the the interview, I would say um, check that out. Uh, uh, we're gonna try to go live uh, twice a week. Uh, try it out uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays at 10 o'clock. And um, uh, so we'll see how that works out um, next Thursday. I'm happy to announce that we have a guest that is going to be joining us. Um, we have Luke Small, who uh, is the founder of Chakra, a company that helps midsize OEMs uh, with digital transformation. And so he's got a great background in terms of having been at GE and, and head up some of the professional services there at GE during their their um, ramp up of of um, uh, digital capabilities. And and so um, we're going to be having them uh, live on uh, next Thursday. At, at uh, So make sure that you, you tune into that and you join us. He's going to be joining us for the second half of the show. Um, so around 1030 or so, but, um, I'll make, I'll make an announcement and, uh, um, and, and make sure that's out there. Um, let me know if you have any questions, uh, let me know if you find anything else that's interesting out there. And, uh, until next week, I hope you have yourself a really uh, great weekend and we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye.